Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 71-80. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Meditations on the Ark of God. Gibeah, Shiloh and Ebenezer There is but one mention of the Ark in the Book of Judges, Judges chapter 20 verse 27. The days of the Judges were dark days in Israel's history. They followed what is recorded in Joshua chapter 24 verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. See also Judges chapter 2 verse 7. What God had done for Israel was soon forgotten by the generations that followed the elders of Joshua's day, for in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges chapter 17 verse 6, Judges chapter 21 verse 25. Lawlessness prevailed, and the awful consequences of it are found in the closing chapters of the book of Judges. Idolatry and moral corruption marked the Levites, and the sin of Sodom being found in Benjamin, the evildoers were sheltered and supported by the whole tribe when the men of Israel intervened to deal with the evil. The tribes of Israel were aroused from their indifference by the sin of Gibeah, and after gathering together they went up to the house of God, and asked counsel of God, Judges chapter 20 verse 18. They did not fall upon their faces before God, confessing their sins, and weep over the dishonor done to the name of the Lord. The natural man can feel outraged by gross evil without realizing that he himself is engaged in sin against God. Nor did they ask God what they should do, but supposing that there was strength in their numbers to deal with the evildoers, they simply asked. Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? God allowed Benjamin to defeat and destroy 22,000 men of Israel which made it evident that God had a controversy with Israel as well as with Benjamin. It would seem as if the men of Israel still confided in their own strength to defeat Benjamin, for although they wept before the Lord until even, and asked the Lord if they should go up again against Benjamin, they had already encouraged themselves, and set their battle in array in the place where they put themselves in array the first day, Judges chapter 20 verse 22. Again the Lord allows Benjamin to defeat Israel, slaying 18,000 of them. This second defeat brought all the children of Israel, and all the people, to the house of God. There they wept, fasted, sat before the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord, and the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, Judges chapter 20 verses 26 to 27. God's discipline of his people wrought in them a great change. They no longer set themselves in array before seeking counsel of the Lord, they no longer trust in their own strength and numbers, but their weeping is accompanied with sacrifices, fasting, sitting before the Lord and seeking his mind and will. Then it is that we are told of the presence of the Ark of the Covenant of God, Judges chapter 20 verse 27. In spite of all the evil in Israel and in Benjamin, God was in the midst of his people, and when they had been sufficiently chastened and humbled on account of the dishonor to his name, he would enable them to be his instruments to punish the gross evil that was permitted and defended in Benjamin. Like the Levite of Judges chapter 19, the men of Israel were greatly disturbed by the low moral condition of others, but were insensible to their own evil. And the God whose ark was among them had to teach them that holiness becomes his house forever. The ark in Jordan had manifested God's power to deal with the dark waters of death, and at Jericho had demonstrated that he had power to overcome all the strength of his enemies, now, in the land. He has to teach his people that the power used to vanquish death and defeat the foe will be brought forward to maintain the holiness of his name, even if it means the chastisement of his chosen people. The next time the ark is brought to our notice is when Samuel was a boy, ministering unto the Lord before Eli, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. Alas! 
instead of the lamp of God burning, from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually, Leviticus chapter 24 verse 3, it was evidently allowed to go out during the hours of darkness, showing the neglect of God's word among his priests. Eli's sons were evil men, who knew not Jehovah, and who caused Israel to transgress. God was about to judge Eli's house for their sins, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, in the temple of the Lord. Where the ark of God was. How good it was that the child's resting place was near to the ark, whereon was the mercy seat, from which God spoke to Moses, number 7 to 89. Now the same Jehovah spoke to the child who was so near to him, but the divine communications concerned the judgment about to be executed. Eli's sons had not learned the lesson of Gibeah, that God will have holiness from those who profess his name, and especially from those who are nearest to him. The presence of the Ark of God at Shiloh was an immense privilege for God's people, but every privilege carries with it a commensurate responsibility. Whether for Israel of old or for those who profess the name of the Lord now, those who have the privileges of nearness to the Lord, and of his presence with them, have the responsibility to live constantly in the light of this, and to walk in consistency with the truth made known to them. The speedy judgment on Ananias and Sapphira, and the discipline on the saints at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 30, testify that judgment begins at the house of God. If God punishes the nations for their sins, he will not tolerate evil in his people who have tasted of his goodness. How very patient God is. In spite of the long years of Israel's neglect, he is still with his people, as signified in the Ark of his Covenant, and though he deals with them in government because of their sin, he is ever near to hear their cries when they turn to him it is still the same. In spite of all the failure in the church, in spite of its ruin and decay, it is still a habitation of God by the Spirit. God in his faithfulness and grace remains with his people, and will be with them till the Lord comes to rapture his own to heaven. When Israel went out to fight with the Philistines, it was not at the command of Jehovah, nor do they seem to have thought of consulting the God about it. So that it was no wonder that they suffered defeat at the hands of the enemy, and that four thousand men were slain. 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 2. Israel never seemed to learn that they had no strength of their own, and that they could only meet their enemies through divinely given wisdom and strength. Even now, after their humiliating defeat, they did not humble themselves before Jehovah. They did not, as did their fathers, seek in defeat the presence of the Lord with weeping, sitting in his presence, fasting, sacrificing and inquiring of him, Judges chapter 20 verse 26. True, they thought of the ark, and attributed the defeat to Jehovah, but their thoughts were far from God's thoughts. The idea of fetching the ark from Shiloh came from the elders of Israel, men who should have been better acquainted with what was becoming to the ark of God. What right had they to dictate the movements of the ark? Hitherto the ark had only moved at the bidding of Jehovah, either by the moving of the cloud or at his express command. Here were men taking upon themselves the prerogative of the God of Israel. If the priests, the sons of Eli, were marked by iniquity and ignorance of the God of Israel, the elders of Israel were also governed by ignorance of God and his ways. They evidently thought of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord as an amulet that would secure for them victory over their enemies. They no doubt recalled what the Ark had done at Jordan, and at Jericho, but they had not understood that its movements had been directed by the word of Jehovah of hosts. In recalling what was done, the writer says, So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4. What profanity for the people to take away the ark that belonged to Jehovah, who dwelt between the cherubims. What was the ark without Jehovah's presence? It might be a charm in the thoughts of the people, but it was an empty charm, as they soon discovered. On the approach of the ark to Ebenezer, all Israel shouted with a great shout. So that the earth rang again. This was not a shout that had been commanded by the Lord as when the hosts of Jehovah had gone round Jericho. 
but one that came from themselves as imagining the success of their own schemes, it was not the shout of obedience or confidence in Jehovah, but of confidence in their own plans. The Philistines also were greatly affected by the presence of the ark in the camp of Israel, saying, God is come into the camp. Woe unto us! For there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us! Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. 1 Samuel chapter 4 verses 5 to 8. The Philistines had good cause to be afraid of the God of Israel, who had plagued the Egyptians so long before, but they were still determined to be strong, so as not to become the servants of Israel. Little did they know the mind of God, for he would use them for the chastisement of his people, then deal with them. Just as later he would use the Assyrian as the rod of his anger against a rebellious people, then punish the Assyrians who thought it was by their own power that they had been the scourge of Israel. It is very sad when God's people put their trust in the symbols of God's presence rather than in God himself. So it was here, and so it was later, just before Judah were taken captive, by the king of Babylon. Here, the people thought because the ark was in the camp, they were perfectly safe, later they thought because they had the temple in Jerusalem that the enemy could not overthrow them. They trusted in the temple, not in God, else their ways would have been consistent with faith in him. The prophet gave them the message of Jehovah, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, are these buildings. Jeremiah chapter 7 verses 3 to 4. The presence of the ark did not save Israel any more than the presence of the temple, and this because their ways were not pleasing to the God they professed to serve. Is it not the same today? There is a great religious profession, the great majority trusting to the symbols and ceremonies of Christianity rather than in Christ the Son of God. Many trust in their baptism, in their partaking of the Lord's Supper, in their church going, and all the while neglecting the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, not having living faith in him. The solemn case of such was foretold by the Lord himself, while upon earth, when he said, when once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are, then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Luke chapter 13 verses 25 to 27. The Lord will have reality in those who profess his name, and will deal with all whose trust is not in himself. God's judgment fell on the two sons of Eli because of their sins, for they were slain, and thirty thousand of Israel fell in the battle. And God allowed the ark of his strength to fall into the hands of his enemies, and his enemies to prevail over his people. These are divine mysteries, but hold secrets in which his people may learn his wisdom and his ways, and which produce from the hearts of those who seek to know his mind, oh! The depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out, Romans chapter 11 verse 33.